as we're wrapping up this series called The Royal Family, I thought I was done, really. I thought God Rescues was my last uh, point, and, and then I turned the page to Matthew chapter two, and then I thought I was gonna focus in on Herod because he's, he's an interesting guy, King Herod the Great. Uh, but then this morning I woke up and something else uh, popped out at me. So this message is fresh on my heart for this morning, and I actually believe it encapsulates our entire series on the royal family. It's called God Renews, because that's what God ultimately wants to do. He wants to do something new in you and in me. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, we hear that God is making all things new. He is continuing to renew us as individuals, he's renewing us as his body. He's doing something new. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me really excited, not only because I like new things, but because this new thing has an author, and his name is Jesus. It's not any man-made idea. God is doing a new thing through us. And the character, well, I'll go through the recap, and then we'll talk about who we're gonna focus in here and. Matthew chapter two. So we looked at God reconciles through Jacob, God redeems through Ruth, God reigns through David, God restores through Zerubbabel, God rescues through Joseph, and again, God renews through these magi. The Eastern uh, Orthodox tradition says there were 12. Did you know that? That there were 12 magis. The Catholic tradition, the Roman Catholic tradition says there's only three because there's three gifts. We really don't know how many there were. And you may be thinking, Jose, I am so done with Christmas. I don't wanna talk about another Christmassy thing. Well, here's the good news. Again, Christmas is every day. And in my tradition growing up, you celebrate Three Kings Day, which is January 6th. So there's really 12 days of Christmas. And we celebrated in an interesting way. Not only do we have the Rosca de Reyes, which was a cake, if you're, from, uh, uh, if you're familiar with King Cake from Louisiana, it's very similar. It's not purple and uh, yellow. It's more rainbow-ish. But there's a baby Jesus inside of the cake. And if you cut a piece that has a baby Jesus, you then have good fortune for the next year, and you have to make a party. You have to, you have to literally organize a party for all those attended uh, there on the day of Epiphany, on the Three Kings Day, January 6th. I believe it's February 3rd is party day. So just know, if you choose to, to, to acquire that tradition, those are the rules. If you find baby Jesus, you throw a party. It's not in the Bible, but it sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. So we don't know how many there were, but they enter the scene in Matthew chapter two. So we're gonna start reading in Matthew chapter two, verse one. This is right after Joseph uh, gets this dream. The, the, in the dream, the angel of the Lord tells him, hey, I want you to uh, 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 name this child Jesus. I don't want you to leave Mary. Stick with, uh, keep Mary as your wife and name this child Jesus, and Joseph does. And then here we are in verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold. Now, remember, this word behold means we have to pay attention. Uh, it's the Greek word edu, and, and it means look, see. This, this is an important part. So here we go. It's important that these wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been, uh, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come 
to worship him. Okay, it's important because these men, we don't know if there's three, 12, five, you choose your favorite number, that's how many. Uh, It's open for interpretation. It's not really that important. The important part is that they were wise men from the East. The reason why this is so important is because they weren't from Judea. They weren't from Jerusalem. They weren't from Israel. They were Gentiles. They were foreigners. And they came seeking God. And so they came to Jerusalem saying, we saw this star. And so we have come to what? Worship Let's keep on reading. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. This is a a political scheme that is still done today. Secretly. You get that? Politicians will always be politicians. You know what I mean? Secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So let's pause right here. We have these two characters. We have the Magi, these wise men, and we have this king, King Herod. Now, a foreigner and a local. They both had some sort of influence. We know that. And the reason why I wanted to focus on Herod this morning before this morning uh, occurred before I reread and then I'll share the points and, and why they stood out to me here in a second was because Herod was a king in the midst of the true king coming. And the way that they, that both of these characters pursued Jesus couldn't be more opposite. And, and, and Herod you may think is this evil, violent ruler, which he was, that is so far away from anything that we could ever be. But the truth is, is that we all have King Herod living in our heart. We all have this desire to rule and this desire to live based on our own wants and desires instead of what God wants and desires for us. That's who King Herod represents. Uh, he comes from a line of kings, the Her- Her- Herodites, and, and there's more to come. He was so paranoid that he wrote his will six different times because he didn't know which son he wanted to rule after him. He, he not only was known to extinguish op- opponents, but also family members that threatened his rule. King Herod uh, ruled from the time that he was 25 and he ruled for about 33 years and he passed away right after this narrative. He did a lot of great things for the people of Israel, so he was loved. He he, uh, modernized the temple, he created palaces and brought in culture, and so he, he brought a lot of value to Jerusalem. But he was ultimately paranoid and incredibly 
violence, so much so that he was ready to not only extinguish the child, but also do away with any of the other uh, kids that um, could be this Messiah. We won't go into that, but that's further in uh, chapter two. And then we have the Magi. Who were they? Well, we don't know exactly, but they could have been men from the east, perhaps Persians, modern-day Iran. They were, they, they, they were astrologers because they were looking at the stars. Maybe they were Arabians due to the gifts that they brought. Again, we don't know how many, but the point is that they were not part of this royal family. They weren't a part of God's people. They were outsiders, and yet they were the ones seeking uh, uh, God. And it says that, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for whom you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. This is significant because this is a prophecy given to Micah hundreds of years prior, saying that the king would come through Bethlehem. But the cool thing is that in Numbers 24, we see a prophecy that the wise men are following. This prophecy in Numbers 24 says that uh, there will be a star that shall come out of Jacob and a scepter, meaning a ruler, will rise out of Israel. And that prophecy was given to us by Balaam. Who was Balaam? He was a pagan prophet that was paid by a pagan king, Balak. I know it's kind of confusing, Balak and Balaam, but Balaam was paid by Balak to curse the people of God when they were in the desert thousands of years prior. And it is this pagan prophet that did two things. One, he cursed them. Instead of cursing them three times, he he tried to curse them, and then he realized whose they were. He realized that they were God's, and he blessed them instead. So Balak goes to Balaam and says, hey, didn't I pay you to curse these people and, and you have now blessed them three times? And Balaam said, yeah, I tried, but when I realized that they were true, the true people of Yahweh, there's no way that I could offend the living, the one and only living God. And here's the second thing. These magi, again, foreigners come in and it is this prophecy that is completed. So we know that the journey that these wise men uh, uh, came about was about 400-ish miles. Uh, Let's see, we're in verse eight. Let's go to verse nine. Let's go to the next. Uh, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, here we go, this star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. King Herod told them, hey, find it diligently. Didn't even have to try. This star was already there. God did the work for him. You would think that God would, you know, uh, uh, make it difficult in some way, but it was clear as day. God knew that their hearts were were certain. They were certainly going to worship this king. So he didn't hide from them this star. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I want you to think about that. 400 miles is about Lubbock. 800 miles is about Tucson, all right? So think about either going a long route, and we have cars, they had camels. So we're talking about a 40-ish day journey here. Think about it. you're going 40 days on a journey, about 20 miles a day to 
Tucson, or if you want to go the other way, I think it's Panama City, Florida. So maybe you want to go east instead of west, but they were going from the east, they were going west. So Tucson is more uh, biblically accurate. So we're going to Tucson and uh, you're, you're, you're waiting, you're, you're expecting, what, what are we going to find? And, and, and then you find it, God makes a way. And so this joy is intense. It is exceedingly overwhelming and it's important because of what happens next. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. They worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Here's the message. They worshiped on the way. They didn't just arrive and, and started worshiping. Then, I mean, think about it. When was the last time that you fell on your face? When was the last time that you actually bowed down and, and laid prostrate because of something that God had done in your life or, or some experience actually? Led? I mean, this is an intense way of worshiping. They had been worshiping that entire way. And as soon as they saw this king, they worshiped. There are psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134. If you want to exercise worshiping on the way, read those psalms. It's the people of God on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate one of three uh, uh, festivals that happen throughout the year which by the way, we don't have that tradition where we celebrate three times a year for special festivals. You have Christmas, we have Easter, and we have summer, right? Those would be like our three breaks. Uh, but, but those are three wonderful uh, uh, periods where we can worship, intentionally worship with expectation and say, God, uh, what are you gonna do through my life as I am going on the way? And it is when we truly worship on the way that we can experience this powerful sense of worship that the wise men are modeling for us, bowing down and, and saying, Lord, you, you are king, I am not. You are Lord, I am not. Your way is better. I'm gonna submit to you. I think about how sometimes we raise our hands in worship. Do you ever wonder why that, that, that's a thing? Well, first the Psalms talk about it. Raise your hands, raise holy hands, but also it's a sign of both surrender and victory, simultaneous. It's, it's surrendering our way. It's surrendering our life. Saying, God, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. Lord, this circumstance overwhelms me. And also victory. Lord, I have faith that in this world we will have trouble, but I can take heart knowing that you've already overcome the world. It is finished, you said. I, you're the beginning and the end. He is never surprised. What would it look like to worship that way? With, with surrender and victory at the same time as we go into 2022, worshiping on the way. That's the first thing that they saw, that they did. Here's the second thing that they did. They opened their treasures and they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Think about this joy that they are sensing. There's no obligation to give them anything. What has this Jesus baby done for them? Nothing, nothing. They're seeking God out and they're so filled with joy that they just give out of this joy of being in the presence of the king. And that's the second point is is we are to give out of this overwhelming joy because we get to, not because we have to. And I'm not only talking about money, but money is certainly important because it's valuable. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about serving him with our talents. How how, how do we do that in our life? Are we truly seeing Jesus as, as the most valuable person, as the object of our worship every day? or only whenever we're at church, or only once a year when when he's the reason for the season. They're giving out of joy, and they're giving him these valuable gifts. Gold represents royalty because Jesus is king. Frankincense represents deity because Jesus is Lord. And myrrh is interesting. Myrrh is what they use to anoint body for burial after death. And so they recognize that this king came to die, maybe to die for them. We don't know how much they understood the gospel, but God was obviously showing up to these guys. And what they are doing is they're showing us that Jesus came to live a perfect life and to die for our sins. They gave them these precious gifts. And so do we honor Jesus for who he is, period? Do we worship him and do we offer him our time, our our money and and our talents just because he's king and because he's Lord and because of what he's done for us or or do we give with hooks and, and conditions? I wanna be somebody that gives out of joy. I wanna grow in that. I want God to renew that in me. And, and I think about how this contrasts with this guy who I was gonna focus on today, uh, I didn't, but, but I'll say this about this guy, Herod. Herod represents our hardened hearts. Herod represents our desire to be in control. And I bought this book called The Hidden, or Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller. Look, Christmas is over, it's probably on sale buy it. It is awesome. And he says this about Herod and this condition in our hearts. According to the Bible, the evil of the world ultimately stems from the self-centeredness, self-righteousness, and self-absorption of every human heart. Each of us wants the world to orbit around us and our needs and desires. We do not want to serve God or our neighbor. We want them to serve us. In every heart, then, there is a little King Herod. How does that contrast to these three wise men who just gave out of joy? And then, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way by another way. God redirected their steps. And if that does not scream renewal, 
that when when we live life our way, we're saying, this is how I want to live. This is what I want to do next year. This is what I want to do in, in five, 10 years. Well, when we stick to our plan, how, how good does that end up working out for us? <laughs> how often do our plans succeed? Maybe you're better than I. I, I, I don't know. But oftentimes they don't praise God because his way is better. may not be easier, but he is God with us through this other way, through his way. They allowed God to redirect their steps and they changed their course. Their encounter with Jesus changed the way that they were going. Herod represents the patterns of this world. Herod is, is, is what we see all around us. Perhaps you exhibited this because your family brought it out of you in this Christmas season, or you saw it in your family in some other way. These patterns, all they want to do is to perpetuate these patterns so that they become the norm. But Jesus came to make all things new and to transform our minds and our hearts and to renew us so that we could become more like him. That's this third point, that Jesus redirects our steps. I I learned some things about my family this, uh, well, through this series, we've been talking about the lineage of Jesus and just by happenstance, circumstance, uh, uh, my mom found out that, um, well, we knew that we were Spanish mostly uh, from the Basque region, but she found out that we have a Sephardic Jewish Lineage, isn't that cool, from Portugal. So I'm Portuguese, I have a new identity. I don't know much Portuguese, but maybe I'll learn, it's close enough to Spanish. Uh, They actually got kicked out during the Spanish Inquisition in the 1500s. So moved to Mexico, and that's where some of my family's from. I learned last night at uh, Christmas that Taylor's family was part of the founding families of New Braunfels. So we're like royalty in the Hill Country area. Not me, but her and my kids, that's kind of cool. Um, what else did I find out? Well, that's all. Uh, uh, other, other things, though, that, that we, I found out were not as good, right? You, you, you remember when, when you're around your, your family that there are these patterns that trickle down through every family unit. There's addiction. There's anger. There, there are these uh, uh, sinful patterns that, that are harbored that, that we see, especially whenever we're walking in the light. You, you now understand the darkness a little bit more. You, you see codependency and, and adultery, and you see these things that are not of God. I was driving with my brother to the airport, and we were talking about um, just a situation, and I just you know, put in my pastor hat, which I, I try not to do too often with, with my family or my brother, but I said, hey, bro, let me just tell you the good news, man. When you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's his promise to all of us. So the way that this royal family series wraps up is that Jesus became man so that we could become godly like him as a part of his new family in reverse All that the enemy meant for evil, God now turns into good. And so when we are in Christ, we claim a new lineage. We are no longer tied to those things. Those things are broken by the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we are a new creation. Our steps have been redirected. Same way that the magi, the wise men, 
They heard from the Lord. They said, don't go this way, go that way. Why? For their own safety. They knew Herod was coming after them. When God redirects our steps, it's for our own, it's for our best. It's always for our best, even when we don't understand it. But we get to choose, are we going to follow him? Are we going to follow the way of the world? It's on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is, everyone say that together, gone. And the new is here. How is he redirecting your steps as we close out 2021? Let's not miss this opportunity to go his way, to follow him. The most astonishing part of the story is as incredible as the Magi's journey was to Jerusalem, the gifts, all of the stuff. It was God who popped up. It was the star that showed them the way. Without the star, they don't know where they're going. God always is in front of us. He is always guiding us. Whether we are far away in the east, far away from God, or whether we're right there in Jerusalem, the question is, are we going to have hard hearts like Herod? We're gonna hum, are we going to humbly bow down before the king and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you because you are for me and you're making this more like you. Let's be like him.